one of the most formative things is community and friendships. Right. And I think there's a lot of loneliness out in the world. And um, they go places and, and they're not able to connect with people at mm-hmm. their church for whatever reason. Maybe they're the only young people there or maybe they, yeah. there's nothing for them that, that can bring them together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get they start drifting from good community into whatever else they fall into. And yeah. I think that's where it kind of like starts. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Hi, my name is Ron Huntley. Welcome to the Leadership Podcast. Thank you for following and sharing with uh, friends and parishioners. One of the things I'd like to invite you to do is sign up for our newsletter. Uh, We're also going to be having a blog coming out regularly, so we're trying to do everything we can to mobilize and impact you, people who love Jesus and love his church and want to collaborate with the clergy to make an impact. Today's guest is Louis Kane. Welcome to the show, Louis. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Louis, you uh, spent some time and been impacted through university through one of the movements called Focus. Mm-hmm. Love to talk a little bit about that in this episode and to really, I guess, explore, because it's something I've always found interesting, the, the, how people transition from university ministries into the life of the parish, because I don't think that's naturally easy. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that we could probably get right and maybe part of that comes from understanding it. So tell me a little bit about your university time and how Focus played a role. Yeah, yeah. So um, I first came in contact with Focus when I was a student. It was like my senior year of college. Um, And I was kind of like during that time, I was just growing in my faith a lot. Like I kind of like to say, like I went from like kind of like being a believer in my senior year, I became a disciple. Like Uh, I I kind of was really going from just like this faith as being part of my life into faith being the center of my life. And then this desire to share my faith with other people, which like kind of came out of nowhere. Come like on. I, and, uh, and I got invited to go to the, the, our seek uh, the national focus conference. And when I was there, I kind of got this big picture of focus and I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is so cool. Mm. Um, and just like the idea of like relational ministry and being friends with people and like how to, how to bring faith into like those just like normal encounters in life um, was super impactful for me. Um, so then after I came back from that, I was like, I think I want to do focus. <laughs> and my parents are like, how are you going to pay for your college debt? And um, like all those questions. And I had, as an accounting, I got an accounting degree, um, but then went right into focus afterwards. Right. Yeah. Isn't that neat? So business and accounting, but yeah. just, God got a hold of your heart and yeah. gave, gave you a vision for something that was really cool that you got excited about. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's neat. That's neat too that it was your fourth, you know, your senior year in university that that happened. So, did you grow up in a Christian home? Like, where was faith a part of your family growing up? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so, faith was always a big part of my family life. I'm like a really devout family. Um, and my, my parents were amazing. Like, we just had a really amazing Catholic culture, and I always loved my faith. But I think just like having it, there's a difference between loving your faith and like having it impact your whole life. Right. Um, and there's, yeah. So I think like it wasn't until like that time I senior year that I really like fell in love with the Lord in a whole new kind of way. Beautiful. I remember in my last year of high school, they always have those um, yearbooks. 
and everybody gets to put a little expression or uh-huh. saying. And I remember one person's was, a little bit of religion won't hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, that's a complete, like, like what? <laughs> like, ah, it's a good thing. Have a little bit. It's like, that's not what the invitation is. Yeah. And and when when you experience the opposite of that, this all yeah. in, this, this baptism in the love of Christ that overwhelms you and just m- changes your trajectory. It's like, whoa. And and it's, you know, never going to go from that to a little bit. Yeah. I think the thing that was crazy for me, so like I was falling in love with the Lord. I was experiencing his love in my life, like in a way, I mean, I was like in love. Like, it's like when you fall in love with another person, like when you start thinking about him, you kind of start laughing. Like that's what kind of was happening to me, like my senior year of college. Um, And, but then like this, this love for people that that I didn't, like I wasn't friends with started coming. Like, and I think that was like the calling of ministry in my life of like, wow, I was starting to, to love people that, I didn't even like. <laughs> I just like this mentality was so different. Like my my roommate, like my relationship with some of my roommates started changing because I was like, oh, like I can like bring Christ to these people now, and like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like that wasn't how I lived my first three years of college, right? Um, but my senior year, it started coming. <laughs> Isn't that neat? Yeah. And I guess that's what people mean when they say they're that person's totally different. Yeah. Like they can just see that something significant has changed. There's been a paradigm shift that's made that person, well, in the fruits of the spirit, more loving, more kind, more generous, uh-huh. uh, you know. And so that sounds like exactly what happened to you. That's so cool. <laughs> and so thank you to Focus and, and their ministry to university students. Like it uh-huh. literally changed the course of your life. So... Being a missionary, what was that like? I've never done that. Yeah. So tell me about that. It was super cool. So I was a missionary for three years, and we were I was on college campuses. My focus is also in parishes and international now, which is really cool. Um, but I was always on college campus and um, really intimidating at first. I mean, I remember mm. leading Bible study for my first time, and I was, like, shaking. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to say? Or, like, how do you, like, balance this, like, new identity of being a missionary and um, but it was just, it was so formative for me. Um, like living in community with other missionaries, ha- like living just the lifestyle that we lived, we, we prayed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Jesus a lot. We were able to like love really intentionally. I'm um, like, your whole life is like wrapped up into like loving God and loving other people. And it is just so cool to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just meet so many people that were so, so full of love and then had such a such a heart for those that are marginalized, those that are on the outside, um, being able to go on mission trips um, to developing countries or just doing ho- like homeless ministry. I lived in a homeless shelter for a month at one point during my time in Focus. And um, just being able to like encounter people that are so different than me, mm. but seeing that we have the same desire for God and being able just to be with people in those places. Um, just so humbling, but totally, totally changed my heart um, mm. to, to I think, just people in the world. That's beautiful. And when, when, at what point, like just all those experiences that you just laid out there, it's uh-huh. like, oh man, I guess that would be formative. Like what a wonderful opportunity. And so at what point did you realize or did you transition? And what, 
what what was the source of your transition from that? Because everybody uh-huh. transitions out of that eventually, is my guess. Uh-huh. And so what was that transition? What triggered that and what were the next steps? Yeah. So my third year of focus, I, le- I left focus to intentionally discern religious life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, end of not working out, didn't go into, I was discerning with the Franciscan order, end of not order, uh, entering with them. And so that's kind of what initially made me leave focus. Gotcha. Um, and so I thought about going back in, uh, but then I decided not to, I wanted to stay closer to home. Um, initially I was, I was planning on just getting a business job. Mm-hmm. I was, I was primarily looking at sales and other, other jobs like that. I was like, I'm just going to stay close to home, work a normal job, yeah. see where my next step in life takes me. Um, but then someone, a friend was like, there's a job opening at my church. There's this church in Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. And, I, and he's like, you should interview for it. I'm like, sure, why not? And so where like, were you living when that? So I moved back home to, um, to Iowa. Iowa, okay. And my friend from Madison was like, you should just come and interview. And I was like, I was just trying to get as many interviews as I could at that yeah. point. Um, and I was like, I'll check it out. But then in that process, my heart was just opened up to ministry again um, in a different way. And I was like, I want to go back into ministry. I would never would have thought I would want to work at a church. I no, mean, why? Tell ever. me about that. <laughs> I mean, my ever. my experience. I mean, I I grew up in a great church, but it was not like it wasn't that formative in my faith. Um, Isn't that crazy? You can go to a Catholic church your whole life and then say it wasn't that formative in my faith. Yeah, and I didn't really like church people. <laughs> <laughs> It just seemed like they would get kind of, I don't know. Well, you have a heart of an evangelist, <laughs> so you really are somebody who's going out and connecting with people, and that is the heart of an evangelist. But Yeah, uh, so just didn't really have a great flavor in my mouth of what a church would like be like working at. Um, but then, yeah, interviewing at the church like totally just opened up my heart again. Um, and after that, I applied for like five ministry jobs, and I interviewed for all of them in the same week. No way. Yeah. That's a big job market there. <laughs> and I, I found St. John the Evangelist on LinkedIn. I probably wasn't going to apply, but then I checked out the website, and the first thing I saw was Be Disciples, Make Disciples. And I was like, oh, like that's huh. really amazing. Because um, that's like just in line with everything I was doing in focus um, and just like my love of discipleship and what that means. Um, and there was easy apply. And I was like, this is great. Cause then you don't have <laughs> like to write easy. a cover letter. Cause those are so annoying. <laughs> um, and I applied and our HR person reached out to me like the next day. Um, totally clicked with her on the phone. Um, and then when I came, I, I literally did like a tour of all these places in the Midwest that I was doing, right. like, uh, considering, considering. And, uh, I, I, when I came here, I just really, I really loved the feeling that I had. Um, I, I love that there is intentionality with the interviewing that right. the first church I interviewed, you'd offer me a spot, a job on the spot. And I was like, I don't know about that. Like, do you really care about who you're getting? There's like zero screening. Like <laughs> some questions for you, but here there was three interviews and there was like uh, an understanding of what they wanted. There was already a vision in place. Um, and, that like totally was impactful for me wanting to come here. And I was very sure I wanted the job um, by the time I was done interviewing. Isn't that neat? So there was a level of professionalism. There was vision. uh, There was uh, a mission statement that was aligned with your heart. Uh Uh-huh. Isn't that, so all that stuff matters. So all those churches out there listening, it's like this stuff matters. If you want to get a great person, then don't just 
you know, for heaven's sakes, <laughs> make your bed, like, <laughs> like clean up your act and be professional. If you want a great person, and so often I find churches will just, and God love them, for good intent, like they're just trying to find somebody to fill a role so the priest has one less thing to do. And, uh-huh. and I get that, that urgency, and yet if we're going to get quality people, and again, that's why I wanted to talk to you today, because again, when it, whether it's CCO, whether it's net, whether it's focus, I see these young people whose hearts have been transformed. They've, they've made Jesus the center of their life. They've often been formed in community in ways that, that they didn't get growing up in the Roman Catholic Church. And so they have so much to bring, so much energy, so much idealism, so much passion, so much conviction. And yet, to your point, I never saw myself working in a church. So many churches are, are a place that these young, I find anyway, that these young people can go to and be incredibly disillusioned, frustrated, and, and sometimes even just lose their faith. I've seen those people leave the Catholic church and go to evangelical churches, and it's like, ah. Yeah, it's really sad when you see, even like, I mean, I don't know so many people that, you know, after they get out of focus or whatever they were involved in that they were their faith blossomed, like they've left the church yeah, entirely. And you're like, I'm like, good. F- like I have friends that, that I went on mission trips with that were amazing. They were so in love with the Lord and they don't even believe in God now. Right. And it's like, but there was no, there, there was no place for them afterwards after they had these, like this experience of community mm-hmm. that just got swallowed up. So let's break that open a little bit because that breaks my heart. In fact, I remember being in touch with one of the organizations that dealt with young people. And, and I really, because my passion is for turning around parishes and help, helping pastors learn how to lead out of a team and then create a culture that's, that's growth-oriented in terms of bringing new people in to, to, to encounter the love of Christ. And to, the same thing that happened to you uh-huh. in, in, in university to happen at the local parish. I, I know, can't even fathom why we wouldn't make that our priority um and so but in doing that i would see that being a great fit for people from those organizations the person i was talking to they they just it, it was on the radar but it wasn't as high a priority i was trying to find a way that we could like can we connect on this because the churches that we're coaching and transforming do become good fits for these people i think or at least a better fit and and so what is it that that you think a lot of your friends are coming into in, in the average parish in North America that is disheartening? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think that a lot, like one of the most formative things is community and friendships. Right. And I think there's a lot of loneliness out in the world and um, they go places and, and they're not able to connect with people at their mm-hmm. church for whatever reason. Maybe they're the only young people there, or maybe they, yeah. there's nothing for them that, that can bring them together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get, they start drifting from good community into whatever else they fall into. And yeah. I think that's where it kind of like starts. What breaks my heart is sometimes people can look at that and say, well, you know, we have the truth. We have great theology. If you had good faith, you wouldn't need all these other trappings because you should just come and and be focused on the sacraments, and that should be enough. And I'm thinking, really, in what world is that enough? Uh-huh. Like, and, and maybe the maybe somebody's really academic and not particularly relational, but but I'd say to that person, dude, like you are the exception, not the rule. And so stop thinking the world should be like you. It's not helpful. Not if you're going to build a church that's going to make a difference. Yeah, it's so true. There's an ME25 survey done by Clifton uh-huh. to help parishes understand the three categories of the amount of parishioners that are engaged 
disengaged and actively disengaged. And one of the questions on the survey that I find really funny, because it irritates Catholics to no end, it's the best question ever. It's like, do you have a best friend in the parish? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> but why do you think that drives Catholics crazy? The average Catholic, they mm. hate it. It's the number one question that they can't stand. I feel like maybe it's connected to something that doesn't seem religious or it doesn't seem like they have any control over. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's like, I don't come to church for friends. I'm not at the church to make friends. Yeah. And the church, most churches don't facilitate that anyway. Uh-huh. And so it's like, it's the most ridiculous question in the context of most Catholic churches because we're just so busy doing church. Mm-hmm. We're not very good at relationships. Mm-hmm. We're good at information. Yeah. You know, but we're not great at facilitating authentic relationships uh-huh. that actually f- is the glue to a community that feels like a family. Like we call ourselves a family of faith, but yet most people go to and from church and they don't know if anybody even cares if they're there. It's so true. It's so true. And that's the number one way people grow in their faith is through is through people. Right. And the, the way that they experience Jesus' love is so often it starts with people, you know? Right. Yeah. And well, I think that if you looked at any of those, any thriving thing in the church, it's based on that community. Right. It's based on like what people are experiencing in each other mm-hmm. um, that, that's driving it. It's so true. It's so fun to watch that happen here at, at St. John the Evangelist and the work you're doing. It's so fun to be a part of that. It's so fun to watch. I was uh, at the front door last night as uh-huh. Alpha was coming in and, and a parishioner named Ed who recently, he's just shared, recently moved to, to St. John and came to this parish and was really excited. But him and his wife came and it was just so big. Like, what do you have, like, Three or four thousand members here, and yeah. people that come to you know, and so they came and left church, and all these people around, and they felt so lonely. And they mm. said they just kind of looked at each other, and after mass, just walked out the door, just feeling overwhelmed by this feeling of not belonging and not mm. fitting in. And then they heard you guys talk about Alpha, and it was so beautiful because he said, "Well." He called you and said, well, when is this alpha happening? Because he's supposed to go away in February. To, cause he's he retired called me like now. six months before it started or something. <laughs> well, how cool is that? <laughs> and then, he, then you said, well, it's going to start in February. So he literally changed his plans and went away in January. He said, I knew that we had to do alpha. Hmm. And the impact that alpha's had on him, not just because of the information. That's what I often say. Alpha is not just a transfer of information. It's facilitating friendships. I've developed lifelong friends here. And this church means so much to them now. Why? Because of the people. Not because of the theology and the information. Although that is important. But mm-hmm. people are drawn to people. And if we're not creating spaces, if church isn't a place where you can really get to know other people and develop best friends, yeah. and most of them aren't. Then do something about it. <laughs> like stop it. <laughs> like stop it. I know you're busy. Get over it. Find a way. Get help. Like stop not doing that for people, right? One person told me that recently came to our church because of Alpha, and she said within her first three months here, she's had more friends at church than she had in 20 years at her previous parish. And she said she's never grown in her faith in the way that she has since she's been here. And like I thought that was just wild because it's it's so connected. Right. Like the fact that she has is more connected socially, she's growing spiritually in a whole new kind of way. Right. Um, for like, yeah, it's awesome. Or like another person, he's he's older, he's like 70, and he <laughs> said he's never had so many friends in his entire life <laughs> since he came back to church. Isn't that cool? Isn't that wild? It's like he's seven years old, and this is the this is his peak social time of his life. <laughs> <laughs> Forget university. <laughs>
<laughs> all those cool parties. No, it's here now. And like, and how relevant that is for our society. Which I mean, some people are saying that that the generation coming up is the loneliest generation to ever exist. Like, this is unprecedented loneliness that young people are living in, and how the church can be a place that that fills that need. Mm-hmm. Like, it really is like being able to bring people together. Like, I run a young adult group here at the church, and no one has friends that come. Like they all are looking for friendships and some people are into the faith. Some people aren't, but this, the fact that they're coming together in a place that's a good environment and they're connecting socially and they're making friends is making them so much happier. Mm. And it's, it's so cool to see. And when they become friends with each other, I love it when I, when I hear them like scheduling things themselves. Cause like, that's kind of the goal. Like right. it's not about the church event. It's about them becoming like real authentic friends with each other. Yeah. And supporting each other, which yeah. is the community that you were formed in that made such a difference for you in focus. It's so true. Yeah. Right? It's mm-hmm. like taking those formative relationships that are authentic, they're not fabricated. Uh-huh. They might have to start with some event, but if we don't evolve those naturally, not demanding people do particular behaviors or things, but uh-huh. naturally facilitate those opportunities, then, you know, church is just going to be something you go to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's so in line with what Jesus did in his own earthly ministry, right? Wherever he goes, there was crowds of people. There, I mean, he started with his disciples, right? It was a, right. it was that community of disciples that started the church. Mm-hmm. Like it's all about that relational component of our faith for people to be able to really experience God, Amen, and give their lives to Him. Well, and if you take that exact same principle, Louis, and apply it to pastors and their leadership teams, I'll often say to people, like, we've got to get relationships really right here. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't get that right here, how are we going to get that right for the rest of the church? Yeah. Like, we have to be committed to that piece. And the, and the more committed we are to that, the more we get that right, the mm-hmm. more it transforms us. The more the, yeah. the more trusting we are, the more the relationships are authentic, and people can see that. Yeah. And it's so it's so cool because I think like the parish staff is supposed to be like a microcosm of what the whole parish community is supposed to be. Like yeah. it starts starts at home, right? And it's cool when parishioners will talk to me about it's gotta be amazing working there. Like I wish I was on staff. Like because they see that like there's real friendships that have formed and people really love each other and people are really striving after the Lord. Right. And that's contagious. It is. Um and that's and that's exactly what we want our parishioners to see. And it's obviously it's messy because every relationship right. is messy and not perfect but like the reality is that i think that we're striving towards that and it's it really it really is attractive to people yes and so often i see in some churches they're just hiring a position uh-huh. person isn't necessarily a faith doesn't necessarily or if they are a faith doesn't even go to that church and sometimes those people that don't even go to that church are on the leadership team and i'm thinking to myself how can they lead something they're not fully invested in like there's a there's a difference between being fully invested and just doing a job. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I remember when I first started working with Father James, I had to I lived an hour away uh, from St. Benedict Parish in a small town called True and and we we're trying to figure out how I could go work uh-huh. at, you know when I could. So I went part-time. And I said, "Well, I'm going to have to move my family." And he said, "Well, no, no, you can do it from there." I said, "No, I can't." I, I don't want to do that. If I'm going to do this, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. I, I can't ask people to do things I'm not willing to do myself. I need to go all in. I need to invest in these people, these relationships. It needs to be real. It's not a job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the culture at St. John the Evangelist that that we have, that mm-hmm. you guys have. And it's so fun. And it's not perfect. Uh, we're constantly kind of having to deal with issues, but that's families. Mm-hmm. But that I think that 
that desire, that feeling is part of what was so beautiful about focus. Yeah, 100%. I like, and that's, and that's the hardest thing in focus too. Like the hardest thing in focus isn't the students, it's the team. Like that's 100% where the issues, the stress come from. But that's just the reality of relationships. Right. And that's the reality of family, right? Like it yeah. takes work, it takes effort. And the people that offend you aren't going to be the random student that you just met. Right. Like it's going to be the person that you deal with every single day in your meetings that you have different opinions on or who checks out emotionally or whatever. Like that's the hardest part. Um, and that's the biggest difference in, in focus of the, the, the teams that are thriving are the ones that are really like are willing to work at it and learn to love. people. And I, had, I remember I had one of my teammates in focus. We were so different, like so different. Um, like in every, if you've probably looked at any kind of personality thing, we would have been like exact <laughs> opposites. Okay. And it definitely was hard to become friends with him. Um, but like the more that we like, I don't know, the more we were aligned on the same mission though. Mm-hmm. And like we learned to love each other, even though we were really different, even though we didn't click super well. Right, not a lot of great chemistry there but naturally. By, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the year, we shared so many bonding experiences and we, uh, we're just on this on mission together that we became really good friends. He was a groomsman at my wedding. Come on. Um, but that's something that I would have, especially before when I was before like focus, I wouldn't have even had the mentality yeah. of like working out with someone that's like so different than me. Right. You just sort of avoided them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll just go with someone that I click with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's easier. But it's like, it's so cool to, to have that relationship with someone that we like really chose each other and learned to love and actually like then started to like. <laughs> Wow, that's so cool. I often feel that way, too. I always joke at Alpha, you know, the first night you get there, you look around at the other tables and you go, I wish I was at that table. Those people look cool. Well, I'm, I'm lumped with these goofballs. And then, uh, you know, I think to myself, I don't even think I'm going to like these. Then <laughs> <laughs> come back the next week and like, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> then by week three, it's like, actually, I'm kind of enjoying their personalities. They're kind of fun. They're, you know, and then week four, week five, it's like, I really like these guys. And, and usually after the weekend experience, uh, you know, we're getting in week seven, week eight. I start to hyperventilate because I'm not going to have a reason to get together with my best friends anymore. <laughs> the very people I didn't know if I'd like. Yeah. It, that is, it's so cool. That's so cool. I love the, the way you put that. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, the, even the people that you're like, I don't know, we live our lives so often just trying to find the next person that we really click with to be friends <laughs> with and those only. But it's yeah. like, it's not about that. It's about, like, I don't know, like seeing the good in everyone. And Yeah. Um, and even maybe the quirky things that annoyed you at first then start becoming endearing. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It, and it's so, and it makes my life richer when yeah. I have friends from all kinds of different places in life and different experiences. Yeah. And it makes me certainly more compassionate, more accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more happy with myself. The, mo- the more I'm able to love others, the happier I am inside. Uh, but the more I isolate myself from others, that's all, you know... It's selfish and it's lonely. And mm-hmm. I can I can go back and forth at different seasons of life. You know, maybe it's uh-huh. because of different priorities I have or things that I need to get focused on. But the further I get away from other people, the, the, the less happy I am on the inside. And so there's a generosity required and asked of me by Jesus mm. to be present to others and to be generous to others. And, and I think a church done well a ministry like Focus done well, and Focus, it's built right in, but churches, it's not. We just have to go do the formula, right? And I love our faith. I love our sacramental faith. But if that's all we're doing for people, we're killing the church. Mm-hmm. And so, if you know, to call people out, to really ask them to connect, 
Uh, it's that fellowship piece, you know, a lot of times for fellowship in a lot of Catholic churches, that's when you get together for the rubber chicken dinners to raise money for one of the auxiliary groups. But we're really not facilitating authentic friendships based on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're no different than any other social group in the community, and, and I think we need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, I, and I heard it again last night when I was at the Alpha at St. John the Evangelist, but even um, back home, I, I remember people saying that you know, in a very short period of time, like in three months, they feel they feel like they have better quality friendships than they have with the people they grew up with their entire life and still golf with and stuff. It's like, what's the difference? Jesus is the difference. Yeah. I can tell you right now what the difference is. And when you build friendships based on Christ and continue to keep him as the center of the reason you gather, boy, it's it's life-giving. Totally changing. Wow. So how can... How can they, how can churches, so, so one of the things you talked about through your interview process was mm-hmm. just seeing, you know, you could see vision, mm-hmm. mission statement, professionalism, you know, there, that, and again, those things are going to draw people of capacity who can influence, and that's you. And so what other things do churches need to get right if they're going to integrate people from Focus or these other organizations well, like what are people at that age demographic from that background, what are they looking for from an experience if they dared to go work at a church? Yeah, yeah. I think for me personally, it was definitely like about the team environment. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was really important to me, mm-hmm. um, being able to work with with other people closely um, because that's, that's one of the things I loved about being in focus. And um, I honestly couldn't really imagine doing ministry without that. Um, and I think... At, we've, we've improved a lot in our team dynamic at, at the church. And that's, that's the more that our teams just improved, the more I enjoy my job more. Right. And I think at first, like that was the hardest part. Um, as I didn't really feel like we had as much of a team, um, dynamic at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really felt isolating to me. Um, because especially because like in focus, I had teammates that were, we were doing the exact same thing. We we're right. all of all doing evangelization, discipleship, like we were all doing it together. And now it's all of a sudden all the discipleship is me and, and I mean evangelization is me and no one none of my coworkers are doing the same thing and we didn't have as much of a team unit. Right. So it felt so isolating. So tell me about because I know I've been a part of that with uh-huh. you guys. Uh, but how did that evolve? Like how did you experience that evolving? Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think of when it started. Um, I think it it maybe started with just doing, like, at least me personally, just like collaborating more with people. Okay. So trying to get different people involved in in the things that we were doing and getting buy in, which was great. Um, We start. I think we we started one of the first team things that we really did. We have like a praise and worship night, adoration, praise and worship, and we started having just like meetings to pray and plan it together. And that was like the first team feeling I had, um, when I started working here and then, um, we started working with you and that helped a lot, just mm-hmm. building like the teams that we worked out of. Um, and then when father Declan got here last year, I think the team dynamic really changed a lot in the office as well. There was a lot more collaborating between different, um, departments. Neat. Um, and oh, also then when we started doing like our spiritual staff meetings where we just it was more of it wasn't like a business meeting it was just to grow in our faith and we did lots of different things that I think increased like the team dynamic a lot mm. and just through it all it just really feels like we're really for each other and whatever each other are doing um, which is a really cool feeling because it's not like territorial and you watch that grow 
Yeah. Right? So wherever you're at now as a parish, it doesn't have to be where you stay. Like, that can be intentionally influenced for good to create an environment where we're collaborating, you're cared mm-hmm. for, people have your back, and it's like, this is a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's really important because I think a lot of people are not sure if that's possible. You know, yeah. they're almost like victims to whatever culture that they have. It's like, no, you're not. That can change. Uh-huh. And it's important that we change it. I think it's one of the most important things. And if we're going to get people out of focus or CCO or mm-hmm. NAT, and we see their passion, we see their faith, we see their love for Christ, we see how they can impact other people in that age demographic. If we don't give them an experience where they're a part of a team and cared for? I don't think they'd want to do it. I, I, for, from my perspective, I don't think very many young people are looking to be like an isolated person doing evangelization. Yeah. Like that's not their, that wouldn't be their experience in any of those other ministries. Right. And I don't really know how you could thrive doing it because yeah. like there's, there's a lot of collaboration that I experienced when I was in focus. I mean, even just like with my male missionaries, we did so much just like men's ministry together. Right. Um, and then to not have that feels really weird. I know. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, that, it's not fun. And I think one of the things, I, I, I talked to a fellow who is the, one of the VPs with Life Teen, and he supports churches, the, the, the Life Teen lead in, in these different churches. And the number one reason for failure is there isn't a culture of leadership and fellowship, right? So they hire young people and they stick them in this job and they keep them in this silo and they don't know how to have great meetings. They don't know how to support people. They don't know how to create a vision and a culture where we're collaborating and working together. Mm -hmm. And these people suffer greatly. You've got great people with incredible capacity that eventually grind out and they had all the hope in the world, but we don't know how to grow that hope into a bush you know, a great big bush where others can be supported. Mm-hmm. And we have to get that piece right. Our theology is great. Our sacramental faith is great. Uh-huh. Like all those things are amazing. Our deposit of faith is so rich. We have to get the people piece right. We have to get the culture piece right. And if we don't get that right, we're not going to be able to incorporate people like you who are coming out of focus, CCO, and net yeah. and help them find a place where they can thrive and make a humongous impact. I think another difference too is that like in focus and I think in a lot, all those other ministries too, like your job is like 100% your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like right. it's all your friends, all your community. And that's what I, I love about my job now is that it's that same, it's that same lifestyle. Like, yeah, I have mer- early morning meetings sometimes and then late nights at like late night events. I don't really mind it. Right. It feels really like normal to have that kind of lifestyle. But then also my, my closest friends in the community are also people that I'm working with in some capacity. And I also really like that, but it's also all I've ever known. Right. And so I don't, and I think, there's no, there's less like compartmentalization between like your job right. and your life yes. that especially people coming out of those ministries would be accustomed to. Yeah. They're not, and they're not really looking for that. Yeah. They're not looking for a job. They're looking to continue to live a Christian life, be faithful and make a difference. Yeah. And your job's a part of that. Right. Um, but it's not like a eight to five clock out, you're done. But if the community's not there, like, I don't know, if there's no community, it's, that's not going to happen very easily. It's not, is it? Yeah. But it can happen. We can go from here. I've yeah. seen it. I've helped churches get from here to there. It's a long process. There's no shortcuts. It mm-hmm. takes time. 
but it's possible. But it all starts with that vision of, is that what you want? And I can just imagine all the introverted uh, leaders out there going, that's the last thing I want. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually even helpful for introverts. It really is. They get to pick and choose. They might not be as all in, but, but to live a life as an introvert without that community is a slow death. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual death. Right? Yeah. Wow, that's fun. And so what advice would you have? And not that we're here to give any advice because I don't know. It's just a fun conversation. But I don't know what to, how to, I know how to turn churches around for those that are open to it and willing and are able to commit. That I get. That's what I do. That's what I'm passionate about. But how can we help those other organizations get these young people these adults who are transitioning, you know, whether they're aging out or whatever else and they're transitioning, how do we, what, how can they transition to set reasonable expectations so that they don't end up leaving the church and or losing their faith? I don't know. Yeah. I, maybe we can't, but I feel like we can. Yeah. So like from the perspective of someone leaving one of those ministries. Yeah. So if I'm the... The, the head of a particular youth or uh, university ministry, I know a peop- certain percentage of people are transitioning uh-huh. out every year. What could I do for them to help them transition well? Yeah. Instead of just the, the shock of, hey, welcome to your average North American church that you're probably going to feel like you're spiritually hemorrhaging. Yeah. I think one thing is just knowing that like your, your community really does impact you. I think sometimes that you, you think that like everything that I believe and I am like is just all from me mm-hmm. and like, and that my, my friends and the community I lived in doesn't impact me. Like that's just 100% not true. Like it does impact you and you absolutely can keep your beliefs and faith and practices outside of that, but it's going to take intentionality when you're not living in a community that up upholds that right so one is just like having realistic expectations that like your faith is something that you're going to have to con- fight for fight for and it's not going to be given to you through your community anymore no. um so just like understanding that i think in one ways and then and then being really intentional about finding community and building community mm-hmm. um and go to even i'm not an events person like i literally am not i would never sometimes i'm like i'm leading events that i would never go to <laughs> like <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I don't really like things that feel forced. I like organic things. Right. I don't like, I've never been, I've never really been to an event. And like, that's basically all I do now is run them. Right. Um, but well, I, that event you went to with Focus changed your that's life. That's true. That's true. That event did. <laughs> um, but like the fact that I didn't, I don't naturally like them. I never went to a small group before I led one pretty much. And like, um, even though I don't like, I didn't like them naturally. It's like, it's how friendships start. So if you're like, I would never go to a, a church event, yeah. like go, because you're going to meet people there and be willing to like talk to them. Mm. Um, and, and you, and you actually really need that as a person coming more out than of you it. think more than you think. And it's never going to get turned around unless you're willing to invest in it. Mm. Um, that's tough, and it's not like, you know, coming from these organizations like Focus where Curtis Martin just has such a, a vision for authentic Christian community and, and a uh-huh. life sold out for Jesus and the church. Like, he just he exudes it. So his vision and, and heart for that forms the whole organization. 
and you're going to get in some parishes that you have got priests who are people of goodwill, have got great theological training, but may not have that same drive or, or you know, because leading a church is not easy. It's uh-huh. hard. And, uh-huh. and so sometimes that can grind people down and they don't have that same zeal and passion. And, mm-hmm. and that can be disorienting for young people, I would think, when they're willing to get engaged, willing to get involved, but that person doesn't know how to utilize yeah. you. And, but then there also can be a tendency to maybe feel like, oh, I'll get involved if I get asked to do leadership things because I was I have all this experience. Like, But be willing to start at the bottom. Like, Be willing to go and just be a guest. Be willing to go and connect with people maybe you don't click with right away. Amen. And be willing to invest in that. And because you honestly need that community, even if you feel like, oh, it's fine. I can go pray by myself. I can go have my two friends and like right. thrive in my faith. Like you probably won't. In five years, you're going to probably lose a lot of zeal that you had coming out of it. Mm. Um, but like going and starting and, and being there as a guest and just being willing to be a part of it yeah. um, slowly over time can really make a difference. That's a really good point. I remember going to another church when I left St. Benedict because I'd moved. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to go get involved in that church. And my goal was to get on as a greeter because I love greetings. It's my favorite job in the church. <laughs> and so I did. I joined that. And, and I remember the pastor meeting with me. God rest his soul, he's since passed away. But um, he, he called me and asked me for a meeting. And I said, no problem. And he said, people in the church noticed you're here. He didn't know who I was. And, and they said, I should meet with you. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, who are you? What do you? And I just, shared with him and he's like oh well I'm not interested in that I don't want that I don't want this and you know didn't uh-huh. like DR didn't like Alpha and I was like that's okay I'm not here I'm just me and just your church not mine uh and but he was a teacher he had the heart of a teacher uh-huh and so as we got talking I, I pointed that out I said you you have a heart for teaching like he's his preference would have been to be a hermit uh-huh but he has this passion for teaching he can't not teach and I said but that's your charism I said, I'm an evangelist. I said, here's the deal. I said, you're that hermit in the side of a mountain coming out once a year. I just happened to stumble across you. Do you want to talk to one person or 300 people? Because I can go get the 300 people. And if we work together, we can change a lot of lives. And it made sense to him. It clicked, right? Because he didn't want to be an evangelist. Like, he had nothing to do with that. But he just wanted to teach. And it's like, that's fine. You're a teacher. That's your charism. You have to be faithful to that. Uh-huh. But man, if we don't work together, then you're only going to teach a handful of people. Like, I can get you a lot of people because that's my heart. Like if you're authentic and you're good and you love Jesus in the church, I can bring all kinds of people to that. But if you shut me out because you're, because I'm not a teacher, then your church isn't going to be as powerful as it could be. So he got that. But he said, well, we can't rush it. I said, you're the one who called the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a greeter. <laughs> I was just going to be a greeter and I don't need to, anybody to know who I am or what I do. I want it to start just as anonymous and build friendships and relationships and get familiar with people and organically just see where that goes. Yeah. And so that's really good advice because I do see some young people come in from those organizations and they do have leadership chops. They do have capacity. They do have vision and, and they want to come in at a certain place. And because it's not experienced or received as well as it could be for all kinds of reasons, it can be discouraging and they can leave. But Mm -hmm. that advice to be humble, start from, really small spot and invest and get to know people. That's good advice. I love that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Louis, thank you. For sure. It's so fun to talk about this. This really has been a, uh, um, an issue that I've wrestled with for years because I've used to support Net a lot and have host them at my house uh-huh. and, and CCO. I love Andre Renier and the work that they're doing and Curtis Martin and so many of the churches that I coach, uh, 
have focused missionaries working at the parish. Oh, really? Yeah, and oh, so you cool. guys are everywhere. Yeah. And you're making a difference everywhere, and so I'm really grateful for these movements and the impact it's having. My heart breaks when churches don't integrate people well, and I think some of the insights that you shared today are going to go a long way in helping uh, pastors and their leadership teams consider maybe how they could create intentional environments to, to, to attract and utilize these amazing people. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for listening today. Really appreciate again you sharing. You hit the thumbs up, uh, subscribe, get on our newsletter list, go over to the website. You can look at all kinds of different content that we've been creating. Uh, we're just about to reach our 100th. Actually, by the time this gets aired, we'll probably have already, this will probably be 100 and some odd. Um, but it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for your support. Thanks for what you do, your parish, your business to make it great. God bless you. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.